0: Welcome to the podcast, everybody. This is the Doctrine Matters podcast, and we are in Atlanta, Georgia. And I've got a few friends here with me this evening. We've got one that's saying he's not with us, but he's with us. So we are at the G3 conference in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, G3 stands for grace, glory, and gospel. gospel. Thank you, Travis. So uh, I got some friends here with me. And we're going to talk about our time at G3 so far. We just finished up day two. We got a half a day left tomorrow before we head home. And uh, let me just introduce this rowdy crowd with me tonight. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. Jay bone here from McCormick Baptist Church in... You can say Truman. It. You can talk. Okay, it's in Truman. Jay uh, really nice. bone also known as Jordan Long, a good friend of ours that's here with us enjoying the weekend. We've got... Elder Jeremiah Nortier, elder at South Caraway Baptist Church, also the youth director, there with us. Do you want to say hello?
1: Hello, everybody that is listening.
0: And we have Travis Drum, and then we have Zach. D- <laughs> Just get past you, Travis. Hello, everybody. I'm Travis. Travis is also an elder at South Caraway Baptist Church, as well as the music leader, or should I say, worship leader. Uh, as of 30 seconds
2: ago I'm the facilitator of musical worship facilitator actually. of musical yes. worship the program. FMW.
0: Uh, all right and then we have Zach Davis and if you don't know Zach Davis, he is um, not a church member anywhere <laughs> right now <laughs> uh, I'm almost saved though. He's almost saved yeah we, we were going to give him a gospel track tonight and almost is what it say almost a Christian. That kind of sums Zach up. Uh I'm just kidding. Zach is uh, in interim right now uh, searching for uh, a church home. So he is seeking that church that's going to entertain him in worship through music and uh, (laughs) any other type of entertainment they can bring his way. Uh, Actually, I'm just kidding. Uh, But we do have Zach Davis with us. But that is a a topic that we're going to discuss tonight because the theme of the G3 conference Mm -hmm. is worship. So we're going to talk about our time and some things that we've heard Uh, along the way so far, and uh, let me just kick it off, guys. One of the things that's really stuck out to me, and I was kind of toeing the line on which, where I should land on this particular topic, and the particular topic is the normative principle of worship or the regulative principle of worship. Now, for you guys and, and, and ladies that are listening, let me just quickly tell you what that is. The normative principle of worship would say, Uh, as long as the Bible doesn't say not do it, we can do it when it comes to our worship gatherings. So whatever we want to include, as long as the Bible doesn't strictly forbid it, we can do it. It's fair game. The regulative principle of worship would say that we only incorporate into our worship gatherings what the Bible has prescribed. So in other words, whatever God has already said, that's what we're going to do when it comes to our worship gatherings, whether that be from call to worships, uh, certain prayers that we pray, benedictions, songs we sing, uh, we see those things in Scripture. So I will just lay it out there and say that now that I've gone through this and understood each of these principles more, I fall on the regulative principle of worship to do things that, in worship, that God has prescribed through His Word. So that is one big takeaway I took, uh, I have taken away so far. Uh, so what would some of the things that stood out to you guys? Uh, so far during this conference about worship what are some things that you're taking away and uh, we can jump in all at once or we can go around the room in a clockwise way if we want to or everybody's looking at Jordan y'all so J-Bone J-Bone J-Bone
3: well one thing that stuck out to me was uh, when Steve Lawson the sermon he preached tonight talking about how worship is to be God centered and uh Now in modern Christianity, we've pretty well made it a lot of it man-centered. And uh, he preached out of uh, Romans 11, 33 through 36. And he was talking about how all things are created for him, through him, and to him. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you look at that passage, though, it's speaking of worship, and uh, it's all centered on God. And that just, uh, that's one thing that stuck out to me
0: tonight. Yeah, what did you guys think about how he set up the book of Romans leading up to chapter 11, how you're kind of scaling a mountain? Man. We don't have to go through that here because there's a lot to it when you look at the chapters that he breaks down. But when you get to Romans 11 and you, and you step out, he said you step out on a cable car and Paul's at the top of this mountain. And he's looking back over these theological uh, things that he's talked about through these first 11 books or chapters of Romans and I thought that was really good and I just, I'd just i like to add to that one of the things that I took away from Steve Lawson tonight was one of the quotes he said was worship begins when God is big and man is small so when we think about that many churches they really put man they lift man up right it's all man centered and I was joking about Zach it's all what can I get when I come to your church. Like I'm seeking something. How can you entertain me, right? Yeah. It, it puts man on display, right. and it's a little God. And another thing he said, and then I'll hand the ball off to one of you guys, is is that um, our, our doxology is closely related to our theology. So basically, in other words, the bigger our theology, the bigger our God, the bigger our worship. Yeah. yeah. The smaller our God, the smaller our worship.
4: Yeah, essentially... I mean, essentially, you can look at the doxology and tell whether or not somebody has a strong theology because the theology is going to drive the practice of the church um, in whatever way that is. I had a church one time that I was filling in doing some music for, as Travis would say, being the uh, facilitator of that musical worship. And a guy got up and introduced me and said, here, entertain us this morning. And uh, I let him know real quick that it wasn't about an entertainment deal, but uh, just an engagement deal. One thing um, there at the end that Steve Lawson said, he said that the uh, whole world is a theater to display the glory of our God, and I think that sums up that passage pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, and once we get the uh, the lower view of man and the higher view of God, then that's the best place to start, uh, because it doesn't start with the man, it starts with the God, mm-hmm. and uh, that's, where, that's where worship begins. So uh, <clears throat> shifting gears just a little bit. Um,
1: Paul Washer preached out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and um, that, his sermon probably hit me the hardest in terms of just pastoral ministry. Um, he, he began by reading that no one can lay a foundation other than which was already laid by Christ Jesus. So he's talking about you got to first lay a foundation, and then you build on that foundation. The foundation has to be teaching, 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 and it's being consumed with sound, didactic, explicit doctrine knowing who the God we worship is. But it doesn't start there because the building on that foundation must be cultivating a pastor's heart towards the souls of the sheep. And I can tell, you know, I love studying the Word, I love having Bible study, but it's really convicting because um, I, I need to um, begin to look and learn what it means to really pastor um, sheep, really get to know people, to live life with them, to weep with them, to rejoice with them. And so for me, that was one of the heaviest um, hitting blows from Paul Washer, is just really looking and learning how to to shepherd, to live life with other Christians as we look look to Christ. So I felt like he laid that out really well tonight.
2: So I, I appreciated a lot, really Vody Bauckham's entire message, but specifically how he addressed that, um, the fact that, you know, we we tend to look at God like a judge, and so... Once we're justified, we know we're cool with the judge, right? We're not guilty. But but Vody said it actually goes deeper than that. It's not—I mean, once we're in Christ, God's no longer our judge. He's actually our Father. It's the doctrine of adoption. Yeah. Um, and he drove the point home. I loved it when he was talking about our sanctification actually makes more sense in light of the fact that we are adopted. And then he he said this quote, he said, If I am adopted by the family, it only makes sense that I will begin to conform to the image of the family who adopted me. And so his point there is that since we are adopted by God, it only makes sense that we will grow more into the image of Christ. And as we grow into that image and learn more about who
0: God is and who we are, that should drive us to worship Him more. Absolutely. So we've all, everything that we've talked about here when it comes to worship, so many, many people think when and I'll just say even I, growing up, would equate worship to the first 15 to 30 minutes of yeah. before the sermon, which would be the singing. So we've sat here under this teaching so far the last couple of days, and everything that you guys have just mentioned, some of the things that have stood out to you, is worship is tied up in theology. That's right. Right? Worship is not the songs we sing. And I think Vody said that last night, is worship is not the songs we sing. And I think somebody else, John MacArthur, said that music isn't worship. Music is music, right? So we utilize music in worship. So to help somebody help us understand. All of us together can help us understand. We've grown up in churches. We've seen churches. We walk in, and there's 30 minutes worth of music and uh you go in, and that's worship. So what does a typical worship gathering look like at a church if it's not what we grew up thinking it was? Is that, am I making sense there? Yeah. In light of what we're hearing and what we're talking about tonight, what does a true worship gathering or a worship service look yeah. like in juxtaposed to what we grew yeah. up with it being? So one thing that I've thought about often with what is
1: worship, one thing that we could— say about worship in one word is obedience. So I think corporately as a body, we seek to gather together to be obedient to God's word. And so that's from start to finish. So we're gonna obviously engage in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, but it's always from start to finish gonna be out of reverence and awe to our creator. And so um, I really feel like the, the climax of the whole worship service is the preaching and declaring of God's truth.
4: Yeah, I'll give a twofold answer, as my buddy Jeremiah likes to do. Number one, we've created this concept in a cultural church where the pastor is not the he's he's not the worship pastor. Um, if the pastor in your church is not the one who is the leader of worship, then you got a serious issue. Uh, number two, I think our God's a God of order, and I think that's why Stephen, you take the regular principle. I mean, if, if we look in the Scripture, uh, He's not a God of chaos; He's a God of order. Um, and we see the same thing he's specific and he's direct in how we are to worship uh, and the structure in which we're to do it i mean if you take the normative principle and i know there's plenty of folks that do i mean you might as well park a hockey rink in the middle of the place it doesn't say we can't do that so we'll do what we want
0: that's good that's one of the questions i was going to kind of throw over to travis now is being kind of the music leader at our church and not even just thinking about music but when we think about worship as a whole Like he mentioned, if you take the normative principle of worship to say whatever we want to do that the Bible doesn't forbid, we can do that. So do you think that's how we've gotten a lot of churches that have smoke and lights and laser shows and uh, entertainment driven when it comes to the music portion? And, And let's just go ahead and tie it into the preaching, too. We've seen the same thing, the entertainment driven Mm-hmm. uh at the movie series and and all kind of things like that so do you think that if you hold to the normative principle not not we're talking about a great theologians from the past that have held this position not martin luther being one of those that held to the normative principle but in our day and age do you think that's how we could get things like that like he even said might as well park a hockey rink i've seen rodeo arenas in churches i've seen pyrotechnics in churches sure. Or well, buildings.
2: You know, if they're, if the, if, your, if your rule is, well, if God didn't say we can't do it, then that really, look, I mean, it pretty much leaves anything on the table. I mean, almost anything. But I, I think you said something in there. You just slipped it in real subtle, but I think you hit the nail on the head. It's an entertainment issue. And that's what they're seeking to do. When you get into all these things, it's all about, It's all about entertaining. And I always say what you catch them with is what you got to keep them Mm -hmm. with. And so that's why these things keep getting bigger and more grandioso is because these people aren't here because they love God and they want to hear the Word and they want to exalt Him through song and prayer and giving and all these things. They're here for the experience. It's an emotional experience. And so I think what we see is because of that, it's so detached from what biblical worship is that biblical worship in the church as a whole is a
0: skewed concept. Yeah. So I heard this too, and I know you guys did, is the pastor is the worship leader. Mm-hmm. So in our context at South Caraway Baptist Church, the elders would be the worship leaders together, right? So what that looks like is we are held accountable for what our worship services look like. And one of the things that Paul Washer said tonight, and I, it just struck me, uh, I want to say a, a couple things that he said he said, what steward is so stupid to do anything in worship that hasn't been prescribed by God? You guys remember hearing that? Mm-hmm. I mean, to, on the surface, if somebody's listening and says, wow, what steward is would be so stupid to do anything in worship? That may sound a little harsh, right? But when you get down to this, what steward would be so stupid? So as us as elders, if we're sitting around and saying, well, let's just put a rodeo arena in the middle of our sanctuary and... Uh, maybe let's bring in all the people that they'll come and watch a rodeo, or let's uh, put a, 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 a make a, a big pyrotechnic show and a laser show and smoke and mirrors and lights. Well, that's going to reflect on the elders of the church and those, those churches that have a single pastor model, which I think is unbiblical. Every church needs to have a plurality of elders. That's another episode for another time. But the elders, in our case, we're going to be held accountable for these worship gatherings that we have and what they look like. So that is one more reason that we should step over into that regulative principle to see what God has prescribed in His Word, not what we think we can get away with. Because the normative principle to me says, how, how close can we get to the line before it becomes wrong or sinful? Uh, one of the other things that Paul Washer mentioned is, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but he says, if the elders lift up or the pastor lift up the skirt of the church, to bring in carnal men and keep carnal men, then it's going to be better on the day of judgment for the atheist than for those elders or pastor. Man, that's strong. What do you guys think about that? going to jump in. Yeah, so um,
1: when he said that, I immediately thought, To whom much is given, much is required, or whoever's faithful with a little um, must also be faithful with much. And we've been given God's prescribed word. That's why, to me, you're safe when you go on what the Bible has told us exactly what to do. And so, Phil Johnson, he preached a really good sermon, and he basically appealed to Psalm 134, which kind of gives an outline of what the whole liturgy, the whole order of worship should look like. The psalm is only three verses um, which says, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made the heavens and the earth. And so in that you have a call to worship, you have uh, a doxology, and you have a benediction, right? And so we get this from the word. you read the last Psalm, Psalm 150, and you just see all these instruments just praising God with with all of what you have. And you have in the New Testament, you have prescribed means of worshiping God, not only in song, but also in declaring His truth. And so, to me, you're safe when you stick
2: to the Word of God. I would add, too, um, kind of spin off of that. <coughs> that I think a lot of what you're talking about, and you just said you
0: said it to attract carnal men and women.
2: Where did we ever get the idea that our worship gatherings are
0: for the outside world? That's a great, that's a great statement because I heard that more than once so mm-hmm. far. Is, And I'm, again, this is another thing that I'm thinking through, and you guys can help me think through as well. We hear a lot about going to reach the lost to bring them in. And I have no problem with unsaved men and women coming into our worship gathering right. and I love that but should we spend our time and energy trying to bring them in our church doors Jordan you're shaking your head no
3: I'd say no nowhere in the scripture did we, were we commissioned to go and invite them into the worship service we were commissioned to go and tell we need to be proclaiming the gospel Monday through Friday. They'll be there Sunday, and it'll be with the right reason. It'll be because they've accepted Christ. But this idea of making the church look appe- appe- appeasing, making the bride of Christ look appeasing to the world, to draw in lost men, you're doing damage to the body of Christ. You're filling it full of unregenerate souls, and then they get you're you're they get. They just come into the service. They get comfortable. They're not hearing the true gospel. They're, they're uh, just tears in the wheat. And uh, that's, that's not what we were commissioned to do. It's our idea in modern Christianity to, man, we just got to get them to church so they can hear what the pastor has to say yep. so that uh, they might hear the message. Well, the pastor doesn't preach the gospel message every single Sunday because the pastor is there to shepherd the flock. He may be discussing other things, you know, other than salvation, but that requires sanctification or uh, church discipline or whatever it may be within the body. But that's the way we've come, and I've heard a lot of people say that, that, man, we just got to get them into church so that they can hear. But Christ told us. He said, go out into the world and tell... He said, start in uh, Jerusalem, then go out into Judea, and then into the uttermost parts of the world proclaiming the Gospel. If we would be doing our job as Christians individually and quit putting it all on the pastor... But if each individual Christian would go through his day-to-day and share the gospel as he's going throughout his daily life, people would come to know Christ, and they would be there with us on Sunday to worship God, and it would be because they had been saved. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, um, a lot of what I would say about that is, is an overlap and probably an echo of what Jordan just said. But once again, what has God said? What has He prescribed to His church and and. Ephesians chapter 4, it's talking about the body of Christ, the unity of Christ. It says that he gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's really simple. The gathering of the saints, the church service is geared towards the saints. I believe it was in MacArthur's sermon. He says if we're having services that are attractive to the world, then we're doing something wrong. Yeah. Right, our mu- They should come and listen to our music and think, man, this is almost boring. I mean, it's, it's something for, that the unregenerate man is not going to find appealing in any way. But for those of us who have been saved and are being sanctified, when we start singing about how great our King is, I mean, this totally renews our heart. And so church is primarily about equipping the saints with the truthfulness of the Word, um, calling us to pursue holiness and to... Um, and to go out into the world and, and fulfill the Great Commission, like Jordan was saying, um, I think a lot of churches have it backwards, and it's those seeker-sensitive churches, right? They're trying to use events, right, and do all these things to attract people. And like Travis said, if you attract them with these things, you've got to keep doing these things because the moment you change it, they're all going to you know, hit the door
0: and leave. So they're trying to win the carnal yeah. at the sake of not—or or sacrificing— equipping the saints. And what that's gonna do is I mean, you can see churches and the churches at Revelation that Jesus writes letters to, is you find very few in some of those churches, very few few true believers. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna find that in a lot of modern day churches is that you have all the entertainment, all the Mm -hmm. things for the kids, all the programs, yet you're gonna have a lot of unregenerate people in your congregation because you're going to uh, reach the goats instead of pouring into the sheep that are already in your congregation, as, as you would say.
2: They're, they're a mile wide and an inch deep, Stephen. <laughs> would I say that? I think so.
4: <laughs> Zach, are you awake? Yeah, I'm good. I think at the same time you do that with the seeker movement, you starve the sheep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean you absolutely. And you're starve. catering to the goats
1: in the process. And
0: you can't make it, goats act your, like sheep, yeah, as we heard. Yeah, yeah, that's good.
3: You're casting your pearls.
0: To fly, ultimately. Well, that sounds really offensive. <laughs> the gospel's offensive. I'd say the, the God, word of God is. The word of God is offensive. So, does that make us, you know, some people <clears throat> think, well, I, I don't like that. I don't like the offensiveness of the Bible. Is that person a goat or a sheep? Or are they mm-hmm. just maybe young, new in the faith? Very possible. Because we're kind of talking, this is kind of encompassing everything, every aspect of worship, every person that has that comes into your seats, into your pews, everybody, these souls matter, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if somebody walks in off the street and they're an unbeliever, then they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear it through the singing. They're going to hear it through the preaching. And uh, I know in our church, what we do is I, every Sunday... Whether I'm preaching or these guys are preaching, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a gospel presentation in there somehow because we can't assume that even everybody in our church are true believers, right? right? I I, I attended one of uh, the—I think you guys left early, but Todd Friel was interviewing uh, Phil Johnson, and they were talking about an altar call. And, man, there's probably 200 people at this breakout session, and and Todd Friel says, Real quick, by show of hands— How many of you in this room were truly converted, were truly saved by an altar call? By altar call, we mean the preacher standing up there while the band's playing something uh, very emotionally driven. Or back when I was growing up, it was just as I am, all 375 verses of it. And the preacher's saying, Just come on down, I see you. I see you gripping that chair. The Lord wants you to step out this morning. Just come out and give your life to Jesus. That's the altar call, like calling you down to be
4: saved or to say the sinner's prayer yeah last time i checked the call was to uh you know repent and believe the gospel it wouldn't change your seat
0: yes but listen out of a room of about 200 people how many of you how many of y'all want to guess how many people raised their hand that were truly saved by an altar call three you're about right there's three maybe two three four there was no more than five yeah out of a room of 200 so if and that's truly saved Unfortunately, we've got a lot of people out there that think they're saved as a result of being manipulated by a false gospel or a false doctrine. Because I'm really thinking you're tiptoeing the line when it comes to the gospel if you're trying to add your works to it. Well, I'm not, You don't tiptoe there. The Bible says let them be accursed. But we don't want to talk in those terms because it's offensive. It's, it, it loses people. We live in a culture where our worship gatherings are geared toward bringing them in. We got to have the biggest church in town. We got to have the place where people gather, right? And that's this mentality in American churches. And I know we've been in the world, there's churches like that. But as we're learning, that worship is so much deeper than bringing people into your church, right? Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, I think. Center, I think a synergistic theology leads to a seeker movement because it starts with the man and it's what the man can produce. The man doesn't need to produce anything. The man needs a new heart. I mean, he needs an act of God on his heart to revive him. And he when you
0: say synergistic, you would say that, that a man that needs a new heart is synergistic. You're saying that the man would work with God to receive a new heart. Like he would do some things. God would meet him halfway, yeah. give him a new heart. And you're saying that's... Not the way the Bible teaches, right?
4: That that's not that's not the gospel the way that I see it laid out in the Scripture. So
0: that would be a works based salvation almost, which leads to a what you say. I, I think it, I think it leads to a seeker movement.
4: I think it leads to a seeker movement to some extent in that from what the church is trying to produce. Um, whenever we see like even in First John, why do we love? It's not because we love first; it's because He loved us. And what we see in the gospel is if there's going to be true worship, then there's got to be true salvation. And true yeah. salvation is not God responding to what man does, but it's man responding to what God has done. That's right.
1: Hmm. Something else that you said, Stephen, like every Sunday we're going to be preaching the gospel. And he's right because we don't know who is in there and who's lost um, or not. But one thing as a born again Christian is I need to be reminded of the gospel every day. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. And, and another thing, as far as the, the services being. Um, for the saints is it's not just the gospel but it goes deeper into doctrine right we start to we start to understand more of who the God is that we worship and all of his attributes and this drives us deep into theology and deeper into worship right because we are beholding our sovereign Lord and right now he's working all things together to glorify himself for our sanctification and um, so we gotta constantly be renewed of what the gospel is and even beyond that, in the deeper truths of theology,
3: Steve Steve Lawson said something that just came to my mind regarding synergism, and he said uh, the the, man, the belief of man's free will or synergism robs God robs God of His glory. Yeah. If yeah. you believe that you if you believe that God only had half to do with your salvation, you're going to only give Him half the praise. Mm-hmm.
2: I love how he used that illustration of, of laying down and trying, like he's laying on the ground and he's got a hold of his belt and he's trying to pick himself up. And he's like, if you saw him doing that, you'd be like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm trying to pick myself up.
0: Well, pulling himself by his belt.
2: Yeah, pulling himself yeah. by his belt. And, and and he's made the comment, well, that's not going to work. You would need an external source to pick you up. You can't pick yourself up. Which would that be position. physics
0: in the in the world we live in. Right.
2: And so in the, in the same sense, when you're spiritually dead, you can't raise yourself to life. Yeah. You need an external source, and an external source is God. <clears throat> yeah. Through the power of the gospel, he raises us to life, and then we follow him and worship him.
0: Right. So we've talked a lot about worship already, and we probably should have did this on the front end, but what is worship? So if we're getting a, a robust view of who God is, if we are digging deep in his word and we are uh, just being saturated by the word of God, I've heard it said get the word of God in you, Right. So we're studying the depths of who God is in theology. How, what then is worship? Is it raising our hands during a song? Is it saying amen to a, a point that a preacher makes? Is it, so when we're gathering for
4: worship, what is worship? When we, as- when we worship, we're ascribing worth to something or someone. Yeah. Uh, when we sin, we ascribe the worth to whatever the sin is in and ultimately to ourselves, When we gather as the body and truly worship, um, then we're ascribing the worth to the one the only one who's worthy. So,
1: like we we've already been talking about, Steve Lawson's sermon um, was geared towards the book of Romans leading up to, you know, the 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 mountaintop, right? Romans eleven thirty six, um Um, All all things ultimately are are for God, through God, and ultimately for His glory. And then the book of Romans talks about application. You've learned all this theology, now what? And I believe the opening two verses of Romans chapter 12 define for us, at least in function, what, what worship looks like. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, our whole bodies are a living sacrifice. That's why I think worship can be reduced down to one word, and it's obedience. It's a whole life down the path of obedience to God. And the only way to do that is to know His Word, to be able to discern His good and perfect will. Not being conformed to the image of this world, but renewing your mind with His Word. Um, constantly walking with the Spirit, um, being obedient to Christ. So I think all that's all-encompassing of what worship looks like. You're, you're giving praise. You're giving um, um, worship, right? You're giving praise to God because He's the one that's, that's worthy, right? That's kind of like what Zach was saying. The value is because God is infinitely valuable and deserves it and then in return we are not. So we constantly are, are fixing our gaze on Christ.
0: So according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, worship is even greater than a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or just a Sunday in general. That's more than just music, right? Oh, I, it, Well, I, what I'm saying is yeah. it's Monday through Sunday. Yeah. Sunday to Sunday. Yeah. It's a yeah. lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I like what you said earlier. A lot of people think it's just music and I'm trying to think how MacArthur put it. He said music is poetic um you know it's a it's a form of poetry with with melody right music is music and people think that's the worship part right we, we have a in quotes worship pastor and that's really that's really the preacher right that's that's really the the worship pastor or jesus is the worship pastor and we're the under shepherds right but a lot of people have an overemphasis just on music and like you said it's it's so much more than that
0: it's not even just sunday it's every day of the week right so when we gather on the lord's day the uh, ecclesiology right yeah the assembly mm-hmm. the ecclesia the called out ones we are gathering as the saints to worship as a congregation or corporately so even in that where i grew up thinking well worships the 30 minutes of singing we do before the preaching right, we preach it. right. Now we've moved into, well, worship could encompass and should encompass the whole Mm -hmm. service, Mm -hmm. whether that be an hour, hour and a half, however long it is. But now worship, according to, and I love those verses, now it's a lifestyle, Mm -hmm. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which goes back to what Zach says, is when you sin, you're ascribing worth to that sin and ultimately yourself. This is all tying together perfectly, but when you avoid that sin when you flee that temptation and you fall into obedience with God and his word then you're ascribing worth to him and so then in that same way of thinking if we're living so we talked about being able to put into our worship gatherings as we do it corporately what God has prescribed so how do we do that in our everyday life what God has prescribed. And I think be holy, for I am holy. We see that in 1 Peter, and I think it says even in there, um, obedience, that's the big word that you said. And I love that, is that's how God has prescribed in his word for his children, his sons and daughters that have been adopted to be obedient and to be conformed to his image. So that's how we can use the regular principle of worship in our everyday lives is be obedient to the word right Mm -hmm. I think you just
2: touched on something that's very vitally important though you can't be obedient without the word you can't be obedient if you don't even know what you're supposed to be and so that's what Paul Washer really talked about tonight is sola scriptura and how important the Bible is in the life of Christians Uh, and so if you're trying to live the the Christian life you're trying to live your faith detached from the word that you can't do it you won't know how So the God has given us His word so that we may
0: know Him and know how to worship Him. And you can't know the Word unless you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which means you will not be obedient to the Word if you are not a true believer. And if you detach from the Word, if you are a true believer, you should still have that desire and the longing to be in the Word. So all these things are kind of just—they're like a revolving door. They all come full circle. Like the Lion King right it's the circle of life maybe not the circle of life but everything ties together so uh, that is very important in the life of the church is the church is true believers it's important in individual lives to be true believers and in doing so being a true believer you're obedient in worship by being obedient to the Word of God now I wanna just point out real quick that if we're gonna say Sola Scriptura, we're gonna to have to say it like Paul Washer does. Sola Scriptura, <laughs> Sola Scriptura, I can't do it. But um, I'm not gonna try. That's the basis. Mm-hmm. Sola Scriptura is scripture alone, right? That's the infallible, and he says you can say all these things about the word, but if you don't say it sufficient, mm-hmm. then you're just saying empty rhetoric. So our worship is deeply rooted in Scripture alone, no outside sources. I mean, there, there can be outside helps, right? We find those things, that, but really, even the help should be rooted in Scripture. So really, mm-hmm. everything that we do in our lives is grounded in the Word of God, and Travis, you nailed it. If not, then we're not worshiping. I love how Josh Bice made
2: the point too that as the church we are to be the pillars and the foundation of the truth. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is it it is the church's job to not only uphold but also to proclaim and safeguard the truth.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when we know the truth, there's an elevation of the truth. Uh, And that desire comes from the Spirit living within us. Um, Phil Johnson was talking about whenever they would go to Jerusalem, that Jerusalem was up on the hill and talking about how many people would look up Um, and it doesn't come from us. I mean, it comes from Him. You don't get worship without truth. Um, And I believe it was Steve Lawson who said uh, this at the end of it. Worship is generated by truth and can't rise higher than theology. That's a good point because that kind of, like Stephen says, revolving
1: door, it goes back to having a high view of God. That's going to drive our worship deep, right? Because... And when we see God as being the sovereign Lord, there's, no, there's nothing higher than that, right? If He has a purpose in all things, that's the person that we ought to give all of our praise to, to give all value and worth to. And what was the last song that we, sing, uh, that we sung? Behold Our God. Behold Our God. I thought that was so fitting, right? And I was just weeping like a baby because what else can I do? Yeah. That's the God we serve.
0: You could behold yourself. Which is what we've talked about <laughs> yeah. already. That's what a lot of churches are doing. They're right. beholding themselves. Look at me. Yeah, I was right? just thinking there. There are a ton of people that do that. Yep. So you mentioned Zach elevating in worship. So are you saying that's uh, elevation worship? <laughs> joke, y'all. No, just bro, kidding. I said the joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So uh, as we're winding down here, we can say. Unless you, do you want to say something. Um, he's. I thought he was trying to get my attention, playing with the mouse no, over I'm here. getting it get out of my way. <laughs> get it out of your way? Yeah. Let me put it right here. Does that work? Uh, yeah, right there. <laughs> oh man, we still got another half a day tomorrow, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. Costi Hen, Tom Askell um, man, Steve, Steve, Lawson, Steve again. Lawson again, times two, and. uh Man, I'm not going to get into it on here because I don't need to right now, but really encouraging things tonight that we were able to be a part of after concerning the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm looking looking forward to see what God is going to do in our convention, uh, what we can do to potentially uh, help uh, and just ultimately uh, hope God and pray that God works this out. But I, I just wanted to throw that in there. It's just been a great couple of days so far. We've been able to Uh, just hear some incredible preaching, hear some incredible singing. Mm -hmm. We haven't even talked about that. Man, listen, that is nothing spectacular on that stage when it comes to the singing portion, but it
4: is so rich. There's a a simplicity. Um, It's not a show. I mean, if it's a show, then we've completely missed the point. But the simplicity in it, uh, I don't know I guess if your last name's Coughlin you can play something sing something and engage God's people <coughs> in something so that ain't a bad little line they got
2: going you know you talking about it's not a show that made me remember what Josh By said earlier about how uh, God has not called us to ecclesiastical spectatorship but to church membership and we should come not as spectators but as participators in worship so we don't come to be entertained we come to get before the, face, before the throne of God and worship Him for who He is yeah yeah, job, exactly. I know people say,
1: you know, church isn't about you. You're supposed to, you know, look at all the one another passages. You love one another, build each other up. And that's so true. But we definitely get filled up with the word of God and to direct our gaze back on God and give him worship. So, I mean, there is a inherent blessing, a means of grace that God has given to his people to gather together on the Lord's day.
0: Well, what do you guys think about this? I've heard this said before and it kind of, um, talking about a vehicle so you fill your vehicle up on a sunday for the week right and then all throughout the week you're going you're doing and Mm -hmm. uh and by sunday you're on empty and you got to fill that thing back up again there's something about gathering with the saints in worship with one another to adore our god to give glory to him and be equipped, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned earlier. I think that's where we get filled up by being equipped to get back out there. Mm -hmm. Like We equip our trucks and our cars with the gas and the oil to be able to keep doing what we're asking them to do, what we've called on them to do. Just like God has called on his people to go out into the world. Like you said, Jordan, is preach the gospel, make disciples. And then, man, we're out there in this rough and tumble world and we get beat down, we get crushed, and we come in sometimes hanging by a thread, if we're honest, but when we gather with the saints and we don't neglect that, there is something that is so healthy in that that when you walk through the doors and you see your church family, Mm -hmm. you begin to feel rejuvenated already. You begin to feel much better, like I'm with my family. And then when you open up the worship gathering with the scripture, And then you just pray to God, and you're there, and you're singing together. Man, you're being equipped through the Word, whether it's singing, praying, preaching, and then being obedient. But man, God is filling us back up to be able to go and do what He's calling on us to do. So what do y'all think about that kind of analogy of filling up the truck or car with gas and then just running it out and having to be filled up again the next? I think it's really
1: good. Um, And unfortunately, some people think, all i got to do is show up to church on Sunday. We understand that it's it's daily, but there is something that God has given to His people and it is gathering together on the Lord's Day. So to me, you know, I love how it's the beginning of the week because it really does let you go back into, you know, your daily life to be rejuvenated, to go keep spending time in the Word, Um, not to be just filled up once on Sunday and that's it. But that's almost like
4: getting you ready for the week only to be filled up at the beginning of the next week. Yeah, I'll speak to it as far as the musical aspect goes, that it's as far as the singing, is it to God? Yes. But is it for us? Yes. Yes. Is it for those who hear us? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I think the secret churches have have brought in the concept that, look, here's these real good songs that will filter through the mainstream radio, and all the purpose of that, what they call worship or song is, is to lead to the bad theology that's going to come in the 15 minutes that the hipster stands up and preaches after that. Uh, and that's not, the, that's not what we see in the Scripture. It's edifying to the saints whenever there's corporate worship, whether it's through music or the public reading of the Word. Yeah,
0: that's good. Those are good thoughts. Um, uh, do we have any final thoughts as we begin to wind down? My, my final thought, going with the, the filling up
1: analogy, like Stephen said, um, we're commanded to be filled uh, with the Spirit, not not to be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. And then the immediate result of that is addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, and making a melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in reverence of Christ. So you see the byproduct of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. In a parallel passage you get all the same results. All the results of singing to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, giving thanks to the Lord. But Paul uses a different word in Colossians 3.16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then all the same results. So filling yourself up in the Spirit. Filling yourself up with the, with the gathering of the saints is letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's how we
2: begin to worship our God. That's
0: good. Final thoughts?
2: I'll jump in. Uh, I just want to reference what Tim Challey said, uh, really at the the opening of his his sermon. He said, familiarity breeds contempt. And he said, and what he's getting at is that worship is something that we can take for granted as Mm. as Christians. And he Mm. said, it is so important that we remember what a privilege it is to be able to and be invited to worship God. And I think we need to hold on to that and, and ultimately... It's just such a blessing to be able to come to something like that, something like this. I'm sorry, and just hear all these, you know, great theologians and mm-hmm. men of God just expound the Word and pour into us, and, and it just makes me appreciative for them, appreciative for the Word, mm-hmm. appreciative for people here, but most of all, appreciative that that God has saved my wretched soul, mm-hmm. and yeah. so mm-hmm. I don't ever want to get over that.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, just in my final thoughts, I'd say all of us and even everybody listening, we've all missed the mark in worship at some point. Absolutely. Uh, no matter what it is. And John MacArthur said this. He said that Jesus died and paid the penalty for all of our corrupt worship. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he did. And, and that's so rich. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just want to encourage you that, man, if you're in that situation or you're in a leadership position in that situation, um, just get in the Word man, let the truth drive. It.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Jordan?
3: One thing that's just on my mind now was uh, about when... I can't remember which one of them it was that preached the sermon that said it, but uh, talking about the audience. When we're up there, when we are singing the songs or doing whatever it is we're doing, who is the audience? It's not to be done to the congregation. It's to be done to the Lord. He's the audience that we're doing this to before. And... uh, think sometimes we end up making about ourselves and and Mm, to uh to really impress these others out here you know amongst us but we should really just have our eyes fixed on him and uh make sure that what we're doing is all to him
0: that's good that's good guys i want to thank you for being here with me on this podcast it was good I hope we can do it again at some point before we leave. Maybe, maybe even on the ride home. Who knows? We'll have to see what we'll the fit. Jordan has a cough, y'all. Can y'all yeah, sorry y'all about pray that. for y'all pray for Jordan? Yeah, I've been. Having <laughs> that. He looks sleepy and he's developed a cough. We hope he's not getting sick on us. So we'll be all right. Uh, we'll let you I'll sleep right. in in the morning. How about that? that will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's gonna do it for us here on the Doctor Matters podcast tonight. I want to thank Zach Davis and Travis Drum, Jeremiah Nortier. You know, J-Bone, Pawpaw, uh what, el- what else have we called you this weekend? Uh, stupid. No. <laughs> That's not true. Just about anything uh, and everything. Maybe it is a little true. <laughs> it's all ain't good. Yeah. You can
2: call me what you want, just don't call me late for dinner. Don't call me late for dinner. That's or right.
0: an Armenian. Uh, or an Ar- <laughs> Armenian. <laughs> Jordan Long, thank you too for being here. Yes. Uh, I've enjoyed this weekend with you guys. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. hate it's coming to an end. Uh, but ready to get back home and see the family and be able to take some of this knowledge back into the churches that we serve at. Uh, so, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Dr. Matters Podcast. I hope it's been edifying and encouraging to you. If you have any uh, comments, concerns, uh, questions, feel free to drop them in the comments on the Facebook post. You can email the podcast at drmatterspodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com and if there's anything we can do, we'll be more than happy to help you out again thanks for listening and i hope to see you pretty soon maybe with another update from g3 about worship until then have a good one and god bless